Canadians and Sandies pacification and placements are active and tracking at this station. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. Please follow me to the reading room. Welcome aboard the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're talking about Brissinger by Christopher Paolini. And uh, this is the third book in the Inheritance Cycle, which uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've been enjoying uh, quite what quite well quite much i don't know what i'm trying to say yeah. but i've been enjoying it a lot <laughs> that's what you're trying to say um, that's, yeah, that's what i'm trying to say um so a brief summary of this book we pick up right after eldest um we've got uh, aragon heads over to help the dwarves uh pick a new king we spend some time there and then uh, afterwards after Saphir comes, joins him, fix the big gem. They head up to the elves to to finish their training before returning back to the uh, the Varden to uh, have a big uh, battle, taking some crucial land for the good guys. I think that's a that's a that's a real quick summary. I mean, a lot of things happen, but uh, <laughs> those are the big so things much. that kind of happen along the way. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So what what do you think of the book, Scott? Uh, man, I uh, this was a letdown. I almost couldn't make it through. Really? I'm just kidding. No, oh, come I, on. I love this. <laughs> so I I like this book so much that when I when 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 Brissinger ended, I went straight into Inheritance, and I, I like we aren't going to tell you what the vote was, but it was on it's on the list to be voted on, uh, and we'll tell you a little bit later in the show. But I didn't care whether we were going to review it or not. I was going to read this thing. <laughs> so uh, when you know when Bressinger ended, I was like right back into it. I was so much into it. Um, it was a really, it was a really, really good book. There were so many moments that I loved about this book, and um, just made me excited to keep on reading. So that's my initial impression of it, and I and I, so I loved it. I loved it absolutely. How about you, Jim? Um, I really, really like this book a lot, uh, a lot more. Well, I would have to say all three of them. I've really enjoyed them way more than I thought I would, but, uh, this one really ramped up the action a lot. And, uh, and there was some things that I guess for me at least were unexpected. And, and I always like that some surprises and, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm, enjoying this way more than you probably thought I would, Dave. <laughs> well, you know... Uh, well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Jim, I, I want to come back to those surprises in just a little bit. So, David, you had read this book before. Uh, Jim and I were um, Brissinger virgins. Um, what What was... Uh, what? How, how did it feel coming back to uh, Brissinger for you? You know, I, I'm... I'm, whenever we reread a book that that I've already touched on, it's it's very much like a um, a more critical view, or um, I guess I feel like my eyes are more open the second time around. Or even if it's a new book, it's the same way because I know we're going to be talking about it. Like I've 
I've got to absorb the information. So I think there were things that, that like, I just kind of, I remember burning through Brissinger really, <laughs> the pun there. Uh, I remember burning through Brissinger really quickly the first time I read it, just like, because it's, it's good and the action's good. And, and uh, it was so much better than the second book um, that I think that, not that I necessarily didn't pay attention, but I think there were details I missed. And there are a lot of details in these books. I, um, so, I mean, I, I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I still agree that the, the, the second book is is a lot, a lot of world building, but it all pays off in this book and the next one. So I, uh, I'm, I'm glad that he, he did things that way rather than, like, bog all three books down with the world building. So Yeah. But anyway, I liked it a lot. I think if I had to nitpick, uh, and we'll get into to people and places and stuff and it has to do with some of that stuff so hmm. well so uh jim coming back to you you said there were things in this book that surprised you can you 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 really share like give me what, what was something that surprised you in reading persinger well one one thing was is how uh prominent Rorin is oh yeah in this i mean he he has become a major player in everything and kind of an, a reluctant major player because he's definitely soul-searching about all the lives that he's being uh, forced to take. Right. And um, the other thing was I was really surprised when Murtaugh came back. Well, wasn't Murtaugh was at the end of the last book. He was. The book before it. He was. Yeah. Yeah. At the very end, because he, he thought he died at the beginning of Eldest, and then lo and behold, he comes back. Didn't surprise me at all at the very end yeah. of Eldest. But. Well, maybe it's more the way he came back, because I really... Oh, you really... mean when he, come, when, he re when he attacks again? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, he's riding the dragon and everything else, because I, I didn't really expect to see him that much. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, so, I want to I want to talk about that um, the the whole Roran uh, scene that you mentioned because I think that Roran and and David I'm I'm sure you're you're with me at this that that Roran becomes uh, such a central figure for the Varden and it's not that he wasn't in Eldis I mean in Eldis Aragon um, Aragon and Aswada and uh, Roran kind of split screen time at least in that book mm -hmm. um, and we're still getting that kind of split screen time a little bit but you definitely get a different i mean now that they've arrived i mean like book two eldest for roran was like book one for aragon it's a journey to the varden in a lot of ways right mm -hmm. um yeah and uh but now that he's there suddenly we see him now battling and you do and you're right you see a depth of him a struggle and yet he is the hammer you know you yes. know mm -hmm. and um yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, think you've got a point there. I mean, that, that kind of shows like with the second book, they're they're with Eldest. They they build up this new character, and they spend a lot of time with him. And I guess if you read the first book, you want to know about Aragon, and now you've got this new character that you are wondering why should I care about this guy? Why you know why are we spending so much time on this? But come this this come with Brissinger, where it's it's more of a 
a dual story where it's really more just the two of them are the main characters. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And and now you've got two heroes established on their own adventures. It feels really good and it fits the writing style really well and the story. You get to see the juxtaposition of like Aragon is. I mean, in the in the first book, especially in the first book, he was on on the run. It was very much a hero story. Then you have Eldest, and he it's it's kind of like he's the war. He now he's it's a warrior story kind of. Uh, then when you come up to Brissinger, there's this big gap between the type of hero the two have to be. You've got you've got Aragon, who's so important that he's almost relegated to like a power play fig figurehead, like. Yes, when the battles come, like he's going to take part, but like he's going to be doing the really big stuff, not the grunt work. And when he's not doing the big stuff in the battle, like he's got politics to take care of. He's got like special missions he's got to be on that you know the normal army's not working on. But now you've got Aragon, who or not Aragon, you've got um, you have um, the brother. What's the brother's name? Roran. Roran. Yeah. You got you, you've got Roran who can be the hero of the little battles and the hero of the people like down with them, kind of like earning his leadership through, uh, through rights and stuff. And even though like he should be leading, he acknowledges that the one point that like him leading meant that he had to disobey and like he takes, you know, he earns respect because he takes punishment and he doesn't shy away from it. Like that kind of stuff. Uh, you get to see all of that through, through Roar and like Aragon, the character doesn't have to go through all of those beats. I think that's a really, really cool thing. Speaking of which, I was really mad when they <laughs> whipped Roran. I was incensed and thought that was completely unjust. The other guy should have been ran out on rails and Roran should have been put in charge of the army. I, 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 I agree with you, but I also agree with Naswada's decision to have him whipped because he couldn't, she couldn't have people disobeying her or her commanders. Right. And so, but that's a scene that I was in the middle of a run when that came across. And uh, I will not say without, with absolute certainty that I was not swearing at what was going on. I was pretty upset because oh, yeah. it was, I mean, well, you know, and uh, so I, I hear you and I agree with you. But at the same time, because she did that, she was then able to put him in charge. Yeah. Mm. And she relegated yeah. the other guy to like nothing. Yeah. Afterwards. Well, because it was so it was so anything. He lost. It, he it was lost so, his hand. Yeah. I mean, it was so obvious yeah, right. that Roran did the right thing. But he did disobey, and she couldn't have that, and keep order. If, and well, the thing is, is if Roran had not disobeyed, they'd all been wiped out. Uh, absolutely, right. yeah. I don't think, yeah. I, and I don't think that they were that Naswada was necessarily disagreeing with that. So yeah, yeah. I so, don't think there was any disagreement there. The commander, the commander was not a good commander. He made mistakes that would have. Uh, completely uh, wiped out his entire company. Yeah, I just had pop into my head. Do you remember? Do you ever? Is it, do you remember uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson's "The Charge of the Light Brigade"? It's in the. Um, um, it's in the yes. movie. Uh, that football movie. Come on, I can't even remember it. 
that was real popular. Rudy? No. Ruby? No, one of the more recent ones. The um, Friday Night Lights? Or? No, the other one. Sandra Bullock was in it. Uh, oh, the um, the is the bright side. No, the guy, the, the uh, that was wasn't the, that Sandra Bullock the, the, where, the, where she raises the the player, right? Yeah, but it's not called Bright Side. Um, I'm looking it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, if only there was a device we could do to figure this out. But anyways, the poems in there. But the reason I thought about it as you were talking, Jim, is you know the. You know, the commander in the Charge of the Light Brigade sends all these men into battle knowing they're going to die. Yeah. And none of them return. You know, it's just, it's, it's, a tra- it's a tragic poem. So, but anyways, I can't remember. Uh, the name and, of the well, it's also heroic. But. Yeah. Well, it is. But this wasn't necessarily heroic. I mean, he was, I mean, clearly, it was a power play to kind of put Roran in his place. Or try to, at least. The blind side. The blind side. There you go, the blind side. There you go. I was close. Uh, you were, yeah. You know, yeah. Twinkle toes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, I, you know, in uh, going back to that journey of Rorn, in a lot of ways, um, Eldest was the journey of two characters because you have the, you have uh, Aragon journeying to the elves, and then you have Rorn journeying to the Varden and trying to find it and then trying to learn along. Well, Rorn's journey takes the entire book and Aragon's doesn't. But here, you know, in a sense, they they now are both settled, quote unquote. Not that Aragon doesn't leave to the or you know to the uh, the um, uh, to the elves again, and then other than to the um, I want to say the orcs, but not not the orcs, the uh, uh, troll or, or yeah, orcs clan, or Urgles. Yeah, Urgles. not the Urgles, Urgles. but not the Urgles, the other one, people under the mountains. So dwarves. Oh, the dwarves, the dwarves. Yeah, dwarves. I just couldn't remember. I was like. Dwarves. I was like running through like all my lists of fantasy people that live under the mountains. <laughs> you know, it's like orcs, uh, trolls. Uh, oh, dwarves. Yeah, they live under the mountain too. So, <laughs> yeah. But, but anyways, I, side just side note. Since you brought up orcs, I heard a funny saying for an orc: uh, the only thing better than a dead elf is an almost dead elf who can tell you where his buddies are. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so uh, that, that surprised you, Jim, when we kind of got us on this track. Um, anything else surprise you? Um, Aragon losing his sword. Mm. Okay, and then... And then Are you talking about the white, when he loses it to Murtok? Right. Right. And then uh, uh, his, his new sword that he named it what it is and every time he says the sword's name it ignites yeah <laughs> i know i just like the fact that he pissed off the tree yeah oh god yeah he's like it's like him and Saphir are like oh yeah yeah they were they were almost toast yeah <laughs> you don't don't don't, the, don't piss off a manoa tree that's all one of the things that i didn't pick up the first time i read it that i was wondering about here the here the second time which made me go to um this fancy thing called the internet. You might have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Google? <laughs> yeah, just to see what I was missing. I was like, I don't remember what this is. Is the Manoa tree says there's a cost. And she, that she, and she's like, I'm going to take something. And he's like, whatever you want. And he feels a pain in his abdomen. That's never resolved. It is books. never resolved. Now, 
I am not through um, inheritance yet, quite. But do do they re- they don't resolve that in inheritance? Do they? No. So when I went to look it up, it turns out that that's. I guess he's going. He's writing the uh, Christopher Paolini is right uh, writing these um, science fiction books now. But when he's done that, he intends to go back and continue the. Aragon series. Yeah, there there are something some, there there are definitely some stories. Will be resolved. Even like when Aragon creates the golden flower and they plant it, they don't really like that's it. You don't ever see it again. Right. So Yeah. But and, so anyway, I'm sorry and, I interrupted the Oh, that's yeah. all right. It, a lot there were a lot of little twists and turns in here though that that I would call surprising, you know, uh when Aragon is attacked um when, when like at what point oh when he was at the uh under the mountain oh yeah 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 with the dwarves right mm. yes and just you know the the dwarf ceremony and and i guess one of the one of the biggest surprises was when he left the varden to go uh for that and was gone so long and what surprised me there was there was no attack from Galbatorix. Well, they were they, yeah, well, they were fa- they were faking it. I mean, because they Safira was there for a while and they were creating the apparition of Aragon on Safira. Yeah. Um and uh so there was that at yeah. least. But but there there was uh I didn't I didn't find the book uh at all predictable. Yeah. And I and I just really enjoyed enjoyed the whole thing. Yeah. Do you know one of the things that surprised me, and we didn't talk about this yet, but the book starts out with Roran and him and Safira going to Hellgrind to rescue Katrina because she's captured. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is kind oh, of yeah. a this starts us off, um, and they they kill the they kill one of the Ravzaks, and then then um, much to Safira's chagrin, uh, you know, Aragon says, "Oh, shoo, shoo, you know, take Roran and Katrina and go back to the Varden." I'm going to stay here because Sloan is there, you know, Katrina's father. He kills the other Razak, and there's some prophecies there that I'm not sure exactly are resolved either in book four. Um, but he deals out this punishment to Sloan, and this is a quandary for him. Like, he could kill him because rightfully he's supposed to, like, he should be dead. I mean, he did something that is worthy of death, and if he took Sloan back to the Varden, would die. But this is kind of Katrina's father, Rowan, Rowan's bride. And so there's that. And so he has this quandary he's dealing with. And I thought it was kind of an ingenious way of dealing with it and giving it retribution um, in a way that was in line with Aragon's character. Yeah. And and when I read that, I I was thinking that Aragon would have been merciful had he killed Sloan. Right. Um, because of the shape that Sloan was in, he was close to death anyway. Yeah. And um, I thought, I saw it more as Aragon allowing him to live and sending him on this journey was and, and making him live with what he had done was more of a punishment than than killing him would have been. Yes, and I would agree with that. And also, the um, it's not like, he, I mean, he, he was blind because they punched out his eyes, but 
he had the possibility that if he repented, in a sense, for lack of a better word, when he was with the elves, because that's where he eventually ends up, and we run into him there a little bit later on, um, he could have gotten his eyesight back if he wanted. So it's not like that was irreparable. Yeah. And, and he certainly did not repent. No, uh, no. Yeah. 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 But. I thought, I, I mean, I, I like that when he gets back to Maswata, he he brings it up and he's like, I had to make a choice and here's here's what I chose. I don't know if I made the right choice. Was I, did I do the right thing? And And I like how she answers it and said, you know, he may have deserved to die, but if you had taken that power into your hand, you would have made yourself as a king above both her and what is it, Oric or whoever the Oric. the certain king is. Like you would, by doing that, you would have started the stepping stone of seeing yourself above our judgment. And once you went down that path, there would have been no coming back. And uh, he would have, yeah, you would know, have been, he would have been like Galatorix. would have nothing to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So, and I like the way that he, the spell, like, you know, he, he was drawn to go there, but at the same time, like, he made sure he was provided for, like, animals would offer themselves up for him or provide food for him or, or lead him to water, whatever he needed. You know, he, he wouldn't, he wasn't, at risk of dying of um, necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's inter- interesting. Interesting. I, I did like that scene, and I liked the way that kind of played out. Although I was very anxious once that was over for him to get back to the Varden. So, <laughs> but... Yeah. Well, let, let's move over to some, some, I guess, some big plot points, and we can talk about things that happened during then, and... And the characters involved. So, so you kind of started us off with the Razak, and that whole thing of killing the Razak, killing the um, Razak parents. I can't remember what they're called. Yeah. Um, and the acknowledgement of of having wiped this species from the planet. Like this yeah. is the last, or, or we're from Elegacia. That's the last of the species. Yeah. So we've kind of covered that. His big decision was Sloan. Afterwards. Mm-hmm. Naswata, called- he gets back and 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 Naswata sends him away, and it's this horrible thing where he's well. First, he has to travel across Alagasia by himself, without Safira, you know, in hiding. So he gets to see how the world is changing now. With now that the war has officially like really begun, mm-hmm. and is and is more of a public thing than just something people hear about, and how. Uh, how he's gonna get, gotta get across the land, and in the meantime, uh, the Varden get attacked by a special army of Galbatorix. And did this, did this? Oh, you mean the Walking Dead? Yeah, they're not. <laughs> yeah, they're not Zombies. dead, but they're they're hard. They sure are hard to kill. Do you oh, know they, what? They, they don't feel pain. No, they're yeah. They just they're kind of like they can be stabbed, and they'll just keep coming in. I'm like. When, when when that when that first happened, I was like, "Oh crap!" That was my response. Cause I'm like, "Cause I'm feeling like these people are not dying." Yeah, and they're fearless. Yeah. 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 yeah that was like a that was like a that was like an oh crap moment for me when I when that when they when he introduced them. I was like, mm-hmm. "Really?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like they, the way how they how they described it when Naswada was thinking of 
making her armies the same. And they, they were saying how if you turn down your ability to feel the world of it around you, eventually you stop feeling things like your empathy also numbs mm. and you just don't feel anything at all. You just become essentially walking dead, you know, right. They just, whatever your drive is, is the only thing that you're driving for. And now, I thought that was kind of a cool, this is cool the way. only, when they introduce them, that is the only major place that we see them in Brissinger, right? Or do we encounter them again? We encounter them. Uh, Roran encounters them when they're attacked at one point, right? Yeah, I was gonna say Roran. Roran does. Roran does. Uh, beyond that, but those are like there's only like two points in this book. And they come back into the fourth book, but um, those are the two major parts. I think. No. I think I'm right in that, but. Yeah. 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 They that was that was kind of that was eerie. It is, yeah, Yeah. because they just kind of like laugh, yeah, and keep coming. And I think that's the worst. Like they're laughing, and like you think you killed them, and like whoops, they're not dead. You know, it's uh, that talk about taking you off your guard if that happens. Well, heck yeah, yeah. pain is a heck of a deterrent when you know, uh, (laughs) you you're gonna stop when you're hurt, and if you don't feel pain, and you're not disabled. What the heck? You've got nothing to lose. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. So, anyways, I think we have... another another thing Go that ahead. we kind of learn here that's a theme is that is the whole um, Galbatorix swearing even the smallest soldiers in the ancient language over to his side. So, right. like, the enemy has to kill. They've got to kill the soldiers, even if they were just peasants that were forced into labor like they cannot risk leaving these guys alive anymore because they've they're so sworn you know sworn in by their name in by galbatorix that they can never be turned now they, they will always be fighting for them the varden do set up kind of these prison camps for some people am i correct in I think that? that happens in the in the fourth book you think it happens in the fourth book i couldn't remember if that happens in this book or not but mm-hmm. That that whole swearing thing, but don't we discover? I think we discovered in this book that people's true names can change. Yeah, and mm-hmm. which means that this spell that's been bound, that Galbatorix has been bound, can can be broken, or at least shifted, so it's not as right. powerful. Yeah, it's not easy. No, nope. that's for sure. So you have to change yourself, right? Like really change yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how about the trial of the lost knives? Dude, that was another oh, one I was kind of screaming at as I was like running down the road. <laughs> that was brutal. It wasn't at all what I was expecting. Yeah. And, you know, I thought she was going to duel. Yeah, well that's uh oh. it's it's definitely a trial. Yeah, well it's sure. it's a way that when Paolini writes that and you encounter that, you're like, oh, they're going to go at it. They're going to throw down. Like, that's yes. kind of that's, that's kind of the way it's, that's the way it feels, right? And then they're like, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Naswada and Fadawar th- just, add, they, and they start cutting themselves, and I'm sitting there going, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know there's a suicide hotline for this sort of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, what a plot twist. <laughs> uh, 
but I thought that was absolutely a brilliant way for them, you know, to have a duel and um, to kind of show that, hey, you know, he or she in this case who can withstand the most pain and uh, endure the longest, that that actually isn't a terrible test for leadership. Maybe perhaps perhaps better than a duel. And then they have to, like, heal slow. Yes. Well, it, it, because you can't hide it. It you makes have to, sense. The scars have to be there as it evidence. Makes, yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense, though, because uh, if Fadawar is that great of a warrior and he had been slain, it would have diminished the Vard inside. Right. Yeah. So not only not only do you prove your leadership, but you don't diminish your ability to uh, fight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is definitely, uh, that was a powerful, powerful scene when we saw that happen. When yes, that was happening, was. I just, I just had my arms pressed against my, my chest. Like, like, <laughs> ah, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> don't feel it. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. You know, this is, one of the things that that you notice about Paolini as you're writing from Aragon to to especially Bersinger here is you begin to see there's definitely a maturation of his writing style. And he definitely yeah. has, in this book, captured the ability to get us as readers to kind of react to what what he's describing. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, as, and you notice it probably most, although it's in other places as well, but when he's describing scenes like the the, the, the trial of the long knives or when he's describing the, uh, I'm calling them walkers, I don't know, the, the, the army that doesn't die or, you know, that, you know, whatever he's describing, you, you see that sort of maturity of writing that's coming out in Brissinger. Oh, yeah. Well, what about that battle where uh, <laughs> Roran is using his hammer and just killing one soldier after another and then climbing on top of the pile to continue <laughs> and single-handedly dusts off over 200. Wait, I mean... <laughs> ten- technically, it was 193. Let's not exaggerate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but that was epic. Yeah. Yeah. I love the pairing. Uh, side note, I love the pairing... Of him and was it? I want to say Khan, the uh, the um, the sorceress that was walking with him in that battle, the the magician. Yeah, yeah. I might have the name wrong, but um, but yeah, that 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 scene. You're right, and him swinging the hammer, the him and the describe of the impact on the hammer against some guy's jaw. You're just like, oh, like you're holding <laughs> your chest. I'm holding my jaw, David, during that scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it it is definitely the darkest of the three books that we've read so far. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is nothing in book yeah. four. Just saying. <laughs> but so okay, so at this point, Aragon's returned to the Varden, right? And he's immediately dispatched to deal with the political matter after being away from Sephira all this time. He's immediately dispatched to go. Make sure that the right king is chosen by the dwarves. Yeah, one that will support right. the Varden. Right. Yeah. And he's got to do it. And he travels with an Urgle, which changes his 
uh, They're coming for a you, view David. of them. Oh, <laughs> uh, you hear my? Yeah, I hear you. You hear sirens. the sirens? I hear your sirens. Sorry. They're coming for you. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth is out. One block from the hospital. That's just my life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, he travels with the Urgle, the, the the chief Urgle, and uh, it kind of changes his view of the Urgles in general. I think. At one point, especially when they're like, uh, when he kind of realizes how the Urgles are attacked by everything around them just because they're Urgles. Like a wake up to his racism, basically. Right. And, and, and it uh, changed, it also changed my view of the Urgles. Right. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't like them at all, of course, and they were written to not be liked. Here they they kind of redeemed themselves and showed that they do have honor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it in, was it in this? It was in this book that that Roran confronts the one or Urgil and they kind of have this battle to the death, so to say. Is that this book? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and you see that as well. And uh, but I agree. There's a sense of honor. They've been shunned. They've been used by Galvatorix. They've been um, shunned by humans, and they're just trying to live their life so but right. they don't they don't give their respect easily it no. has to be earned it does oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah so yeah I, d- I did like the the journey to uh um to the uh home of the dwarves you know the dwarves and, yeah but. you know i feel like the dwarves are continually the weakest part of his writing and i I mean, yeah, there was the excitement of, like, the assassination attempt, but in general, like, every book, when it, it focuses on the dwarves, it's like snooze fest for me. I think yeah, well, I think all... what made this one, this one was even worse because you dealt with, not only did you get get dwarves, which, as you said, may not have been the most exciting part, but then you get dwarves in politics and, yeah. and the political structure. And, and, and... And I was kind of fascinated to see how they were going to get people to win, you know, how Oric was going to get everyone to win over. But it is not, it is not a strength. I agree. No. Well, you know but. something though, um, you you you've got all this stuff going on, just pushing at you and pushing at you and pushing at you. And I saw the dwarves part of the story, the clan meet and everything else. As, you know, okay, I can take a breath here. Okay, things have slowed down a little bit. And, um, you know, we're going to get ready. We're going to get ready for something else. But for now, we're just going to slow down a little. And I didn't have a problem with that. Um, yeah, and I think during that time, there is, I mean, we, we flash. I mean, we're, we're, we have multiple stories going on. And it does. The, he does break it up enough so it's not like, just a segment of dwarves. We're, we're finding out what's going on with Roran during that time, uh, mm-hmm. what's happening back in the Swadas camp. And so there is stuff that's happening that's just beyond the dwarves. Yeah. I was kind of fascinated with, uh, with the dwarves myself and, and their, their political process and their process of choice. Yeah. See, of all the races and all of the fantasy written into this book, that I don't, I don't wonder if you want to say tropes or... Or things that you may have seen in other fantasy books, I feel like the dwarves are the least altered from th- what you'd expect, hmm. and I and I think that's why I get the most bored with them, is because they feel 
very close to Lord of the Rings dwarves or any fantasy dwarf yeah. that you know. But you know, if the, if you, if they uh, did get the, John Rice Davies to play Oric, you'd be in. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He really. He I'd be the there. Like, yeah. 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 Or <laughs> favorite race. Favorite race. Favorite race. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's probably why I get the most yeah. bored. And not that like everything they talk about is boring or that it's not important. Like it's it's important. You're. I totally agree. It's super important for the pacing of the book, Jim. Like it. It was totally needed to have that downtime and i also think it's a great foil for aragon and roar and like i was saying before of like how his responsibilities differ so much compared to just the like the grunt level hero mm-hmm. uh, and, and when you're when you're the figurehead hero it's not just battle and glory it's it's a lot of other stuff well and he's uh, pled you know in he's 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 bound himself to all these different races you know, yeah. much to the chagrin of different people at different times, but he's pledged himself, and he's kind of has to, kind of has to be there. So I was glad when it was over, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm getting that, David, that you just were not a fan <laughs> of like King Under the Mountain. I'm sorry, but, but Oric was was the right choice. He was. Oh, for sure. And and I think it's going to. And, and Scott, you don't count because you've already read it. But I think uh, I think Oric is going to be a major player in in the continuation of this story. Yeah. A major loot player, or just yeah, probably a loot player. I'm, I'm guessing he would be masterful of the loot. Yeah, there's definitely some yeah. master loot playing there. <laughs> it's been to, to be, to, it's been to be 37 fair, minutes yeah 37 minutes had, into the show and we haven't mentioned we haven't it yet pulled so. out the loot yet so, so we had <laughs> to bring it in somewhere so. okay but, yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna mesmerize Galbatorix with the loot playing so you just watch speaking gonna, of Galbatorix yeah. just aside can yeah. you believe that three books and we have yet to see the main villain. True. Yeah, he's he's being hidden away. It's almost like Alien. You don't yeah. get to see him right away. Uh, right. You get to see him in book four, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to see him eventually. Right, right. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But, spoiler alert. Yeah, no, come on. <laughs> like, you didn't know that. But. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Anyway, so then... Go ahead. I was going to... I was going to say, what about the huge reveal we get in this book of who Aragon's father is? Brom, oh, Brom, yeah. Brom. Yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, it was hard for me to keep that one. Yeah, and he's not even a Va- <laughs> he's not even a Vader character. In this oh, book. I know. Oh, wait a minute. I know. So <laughs> th- that that reveal, of course, th- th- when they leave the dwarves. I keep wanting to say orcs, but when they leave the dwarves and end up, they end up back in, of course, an elven kingdom. And, and there, when they're with Glader and um, uh, who's his writer, slipping my mind right now. But. Uh, dragon. Or- Oramus? Yeah, thank you. Oramus. Oramus. Yeah, Oramus and and Oramus says, hey, you know, Severia Miles will tell him. And, and then we get that message from Brom. You're like, that's like, that's very much like an oh crap moment. Like, wow. And it kind of cha- it it changes for Aragon. It changes everything. Yeah, because he's gone from saying I'm the son of a you know 
evil lord that worked for Calvatorix to I'm this you know I'm the son of a writer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like the last writer before him that everyone knew too. So it's yeah, and it it explains a great deal. Uh, yeah, that that reveal does. Yeah, yeah, it don't no doubt. And and his mother and how she was with Galbatorix and uh, why Galbatorix is so angry. But she was a she was an assassin too. She wasn't just a lady. And she wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, well, she, it, that was it, a cool. And she was with um, one of his henchmen. She wasn't with Galvatorix. Right? Uh, that, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mur- Murtog's dead. Yeah. Which I don't think Murtog ever finds out that Aragon is like not a full brother. I can't mm. remember if he. Does I don't. I don't think so. And it's not that a big. big but it's not that important to the plot either. But. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so that is yeah. a big reveal, and, and um, you know, one of my favorite parts since we're up in the elf territory is the crafting of his new sword, Brissinger. Mm-hmm. I thought that was beautiful. We did talk about that a little bit earlier on, but it, it, just the way that it was crafted, like, and the way the elf got around her vow not to ever craft a sword again, I thought was interesting. Just be careful how you say that, or you might spontaneously combust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I love in the audio book how the guy screams it out. Brissinger! Oh, I know. You know? Oh. I know. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. Uh, I was worried. My, I mean, I, I was worried my phone was going to light up. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think it's a cool ability. I also like that with as cool as it is, it's not just like this this crazy deus ex machina thing like it does still zap energy from him oh yeah it's not it's not without cost it's a special thing but it's not without cost well and i do like that in general about the magic in this book is that magic always comes with a cost there's always i was going to say the same thing yeah it's uh you know you you pay for it with strength energy that you it's not like you have an unlimited supply of magic it's also kind of neat how you can store it for yeah. later when you need it. Yeah, and view objects with it, like the the belt or the ring. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And and how it's not it's not instantly obvious what's got it stored in it. Like he had that ring the whole time, and didn't know that it was like massively filled with his energy. Yeah, like Brom it, had just been pouring into it for years. And and that's interesting too that somehow that ring, that 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 ring as an object had to be focused on in order for that to be tapped into because you know I think back to book two when he's learning to pay attention to everything around him and he never once stumbles on that ring as being an energy. And maybe source. he wasn't wearing it. I mean, well, maybe not. But that's a real bit of a cop out. But maybe he wasn't wearing it. Yeah, David, that's know? a cop out, David. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, uh, we also learned some. We also learned the secret behind Galibatorix's power. In while we're with the elves, and that is the Eldenari. Oh yeah, that is that's another huge thing that we up till this book no Eldenari, and um, the fact that dragons can live on. 
once her physical body's slain, and not only yeah. that, but uh, that that it powers Galbatorix. Yeah, he's got all these Eldenari of dead dragons giving him power. That's true. Yeah, we get quite a bit of dragon him. lore here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. we do. We get a lot of nice dragon lore, uh, and that um, and uh, and that Glader kind of you know gives up his Eldenari to Aragon. It's a fear It's kind of interesting. And he, you get to see how horrible it is to be given into that existence. Yes. How much of a sacrifice it is. Mm-hmm. So not only did he physically die, Glader now has to live on in nothingness. And you don't really without see, his Yeah. You don't re- you don't really see that. You don't see the fruit of that till book 4. You don't really see it. Although he yeah. kind of he, he disappears and is not He's not around. I mean, that's yeah. You know, when after his, him and his rider falls, but but it gives us a cool way of seeing the death of those characters without actually having to focus the book on that battle. Yeah, absolutely. Because Ar- Aragon gets these flashes mid his own perilous battle. Oh yeah, against a new shade. Yeah, which was which was pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, we get a shade back. That that's kind of scary. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we get a new and then we get Arya becomes the new Shade Slayer. So. Yeah. Damn it. Hey, I thought it's you... interesting. Oh, go ahead, Jim. I was gonna say, you know, d- did it seem to you like Aragon and Arya were actually becoming closer? Uh, I yeah. think I think they do. Uh, just from the very nature, um, you know, it's funny because in book two, there's this rift that seems to open up between them. But you begin to see in Brissinger, you begin to see that rift slowly mend. You see it through stuff like the fact that she goes out and pursues Aragon when he, right. after he leaves Hellgrind. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but there's other things that they begin to really work together. Um, and, he takes that in book four and develops it even further. So, you know, Jim, if you read it, you're going to see that even built any further. And that doesn't spoil anything. That's the way they're just heading with it. So, It, it seems to me that she is in denial and trying really hard not to become romantically involved with Aragon. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like a train wreck. You know it's going to happen. You can't look away. It's going to happen. <laughs> it, uh, to to be fair, you know, after book two, Aragon shows incredible restraint in pursuing that or saying anything about it in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. So he doesn't. Uh, that doesn't come up at all. Um, although well, you, get, he, you get flitting thoughts going through his head, but that's about it. But. If he had continued to pers- pursue her, uh, he wouldn't have a chance. So yeah. he, you know, she she's told him a couple of times now. I am not interested in you that way, right? Okay. But she does things to show them that, show him that she is. But he's he's gotten wise enough to see that. Okay, you know, I'm seeing these signals, but I don't dare uh, act on it, or I will be in trouble here, and it's it'll be over for real. 
See, right. I, re- I really, right. uh, I really question whether the re- I, 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 I'm torn between whether they're really signals, or they're just Arya who's um, trying to protect a rider, the last rider, the one that they pinned all their hopes on, both the elves and men, and like her her dedication and willingness to go the extra mile for arrogant could be interpreted in part at least that in my opinion i i i think they go hand in hand uh the well, more think... the more time they spend together um the 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 deeper the feelings are going to become yeah i i i agree with jim i think that the you're you're right, Scott. That it starts off as this just her wanting to protect him. Um, even though in the beginning I think she's a little attracted to him, but it, it, her wanting to protect him, and then eventually that sense of protection becomes more. I mean, it's like Han Solo and Princess Leia. You know, yeah, they don't love each other, but then they're forced to care about each other. Yeah, and her hands aren't even dirty. <laughs> that's right her hands aren't even dirty yeah. so <laughs> uh yeah i mean i i really do think that that it's 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 building up to there uh, just a, a side comment literary uh wise so this is technically a young adult book i guess I'm right currently yeah i read the maze runner trilogy and now i'm in the prequel um but it's very interesting to see the differences in these young adult books as to way as to the way they handle um, affection, I guess is the word like like um, the desire for someone. In in these books, like it's not it's very clear. Aragon loves her, and 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 the idea of love is very present. And then you come over to the Maze Runner book, and the idea of love is very present. But I'm in the fourth book and. Of all the characters, even the ones that are clearly in a relationship, they never call it love, and they never they never call it dating. They just constantly refer to the person they're in love with as their best friend. A well, person. It, it's more like courtly love friend. or chivalrous kind of um, yeah relationships, which I I frankly appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that Paolini does a great job of not making this a central thing in this book. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, the I, you closest, know, the closest ahead. he comes to uh, talking about physical things is when he's talking about Roran and Katrina. Right. And that's done very tastefully. Oh, very tastefully. absolutely. Yeah. So. And. uh Oh, you, although you know they've been playing Nookie when she uh, they need to get married because she <laughs> won't be able to hide well, that much they, longer. So she's <laughs> Pregos. Yeah. At least they are married. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, and, here's, yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing. I, I love the fact that they had Aragon perform the ceremony because that was always the talk. I mean, they have a rider performing the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, can, I, can I talk about Roran just a little bit? Does no. it seem to you? <laughs> yeah, but this ties in. Uh, does it seem to you that Roran, so Aragon's a dragon rider, and that makes him a bit above everyone else in Alagazia, because he's not just a common man. 
He has a dragon, and right. that gives him power, and he kills, you know, indiscriminately. Well, not indiscriminately, but but tons of people, right? But Roran also, Stronghammer, has the same type of feeling, maybe not to such a large degree, that he's not quite human. Now, he is, but there's something, he, there's something like he's incredibly lucky. Well, I think that's more of like, the, especially when they're comparing, it's more of like they both realize the call of destiny upon them and the call to be more than, than just the average person, uh, given their circumstances. And here, Aragon is not just called to that, like he has these things that literally make him more than the average person where Roran while being called to that has to force himself to be bigger than the average person by, by acquiring skills and by earning leadership and, and doing the, you know, killing 193 guys. And it's all stuff that's called for, uh, but it's his destiny. Right. And, and, and but he has, he also has an inner strength, uh, dare I say, kind of a purity, because he he's right. not doing this for selfish reasons at all. Right. He he is doing it for others, and he knew that when he went off, uh, that he could very possibly not come back. He told Katrina that. Yeah. And. Uh, and he did make it back, you know. I, I'm, I guess maybe I'm kind of thinking of him as kind of a Thor figure. He can't wield the hammer if he is not pure of heart. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Guess who's back? Lawrence back. Yeah, just an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, and 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 I and I like it. I, he just he does seem just a little bit larger than life, and I think mm-hmm. maybe that's just the way Pelina paints him at least in my perspective but well i you know i don't know maybe maybe i'm committing some kind of a a grave uh fantasy anti-geek thing but but i like roaring better than i like aragon (laughs) (laughs) well i'm not saying i'm not saying i dislike aragon but i have really enjoyed roaring's story throughout this whole thing yeah well there is a sense when you look at the two characters side by side, there's a sense of maturity that Rorn has that Aragon doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I think that uh, you see him growing toward it, and I think in book four you see him grow toward that even more. Um, but Rorn is a man that is at peace with himself, in a sense where we don't get that same sense from Aragon in this book. I feel like if you were to, because I, I think this comes up more in the, in the fourth book, but like the, the, the real name thing, especially with like Sloan, when he gives out the real name, right? your real name brings up your faults and a lot of the things you hide. And I think, like you said, Roran is himself. I think if someone were to come up with his real name, he would... Oh, he he wouldn't be shocked. I think he would be like, "Yeah, that is me." Oh yeah, totally. And I and I and I rather than, and I, rather than be like, "How dare you!" Like, what are you? Yeah. Don't call me a liar. Like, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, he would just be like, "Yes, this that you are. That is me." 
and, and I'm I'm having trouble thinking of anything that I could say would be a flaw in Roran's character. Yeah. Well, he didn't yeah. wait for marriage, so. That's yeah, true. <laughs> I don't know. I don't just know about kidding. that. No, I'm <laughs> yeah. But anyways, didn't mean to sidetrack us off into that, but I was just thinking that uh, Roran did come out as a real dynamic character. In a sense, there is something about it. About him. But, mm-hmm. you know. So let's take us on to really the the climax of the book. I mean, we've got Roran, or not Roran, the Aragon leaves Duelder uh, Varden and heads to the battle that the Varden are doing. He's, he's completed his training as far as he can. He heads to this battle that he knows has been coming, and it's been a race for him to get there before they run out of resources. And they show up at, is it, is it Darsleona that they're fighting at, or what's the town name? Uh, it might be Jasleona. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. Bainster? Yeah, I think that's it. Well, they show up mm-hmm. at this at this at this town, and um, oh, Feinstein! It's Feinstein, uh, Fein, uh, something like that. Yeah. Well, the anyway, he shows up at this battle. Yeah, it's and he fin- doesn't find it's the, it's the, the Varden right. losing, but what he does find is them struggling to the point where the tides could easily be turned against them. They're not really making any progress. Mm-hmm. And he rushes in and kind of, it's not even a deus ex machina. Like he, he, com- he comes in and he helps, but it's not strictly over just because he's there. Like it's still a battle. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. It wasn't just like, he just dropped in and was like, what up? I'm here. We win. But it was still like, it was still a battle. Uh, but here, this town doesn't like Galbatorix, but they're they're loyal to their queen, and their queen has been sworn to Galbatorix, which right. is an interesting, uh, interesting and, and, thing. And she she's not real happy about that. No, but, but she, she can't do anything about it. She can't go back on her word because of those uh, sorcerers that were that were with her. Right. Well, I think it's because she said it in the ancient language, so she can't. Yeah, can't so go against whatever you say the in the ancient language. Uh. Yeah, and the sorcerers conjure up another shade. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a big battle here with Arya, Aragon, Sephira against a bunch of sorceresses, and eventually a shade. And amongst this battle, Aragon and Sephira are crippled. With visions of Glader and Ornus's death, right, and and all and pretty much leaving Arya to handle everything on her own. Right, that was uh, a pretty amazing piece of writing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. the ending of this book from that. Yeah, but. yeah, and I like that she's a Slade Shader now, Slade Shade Slayer now too, because it, not that it takes away from Aragon, but at the same time, it's just like. He did this thing, but but I think he acknowledges at the end, neither of them could have done it on their own. Absolutely, and she deserves she deserves a title as much as he does because she was as much as he was a part of hers, she was a part of his. And right, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's true, and this hence solidifies a relationship so. with Jim is what you were hint- which is what you were hinting at. So, yeah, yeah, 
I want you, uh, David. I want to hear you say Shade Slayer five times real fast. <laughs> Shade Slayer. <laughs> I <laughs> can't, can't even do it once. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Slay, 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 slay. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there anything else that that uh, you guys want to pick out about this book to talk about? No, I think we did a good. We did a good overview from my feel. I mean, I, I think that's good. We did not talk about the girl that he cursed uh, from oh. the garden because that's kind of reconciled, at least in somewhat. Or they try to reconcile the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. she, she kind of draws into herself and, and becomes very selfish and... Uh, you know, even though you can be happy for her that she no longer has to feel others' pain unless she wants to and help, she just turns around and walks away and says, to heck with you people. Right. Yeah. I don't see it as much of a bad thing. I mean, she is a threat to them but because of that. But at the same time, there's a point where she's intelligent enough and she's been through enough that... Uh, and I, and they recognize that she's she's earned the right to make her own choice, and mm. at some point, you know, someone's got to say, "I don't want to, I don't want this you meddling with my life with magic anymore." Like things are screwed up enough as they are. I can't so, say I blame her there. That's for sure. No, absolutely yeah. not. So, yeah, but yeah, I don't have anything else. I, I I'm pretty satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's get back. Let's get down to our grading system. Okay. So, out of ten, uh, where do you fit this on the scale, Jim? Um. Are you guys still there? I, I would. Okay. I, I would have to call it a ten. Seriously. Okay. I enjoyed it that much. Yeah. Uh, I'm with Jim ten because uh, as I as I told you guys earlier, I couldn't stop reading. I went right back in. I went right into the next book. So oh, and um, and, yeah. and I was going to mention that I was reading this book a hundred pages at a time because I just I did not want to have to be reading it after after school went back into session, and <laughs> and I just did not want to stop reading. <laughs> good. Yeah, and that's a good. Yeah. I, it's it's a good sign. It's a good sign when you get into a book that that much. And, you know, for me, I'm like listening to it, and I don't want to stop listening. You know, I pull into a parking lot and I sit there for five, ten minutes listening to the book. So I was gonna say, yeah, you you must have done a lot of running. <laughs> <laughs> that or yeah, I, you know, over the summer I was able to listen and work, so I'd be like working outside and listening. So I had that. So. Ah. I, I, I did the same. I, 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 um, I found myself, you know, listening at times when I normally wouldn't be listening or, or reading at times when I normally wouldn't be dedicating that time to reading. And it was just like every spare moment I wanted to hit back to this book. And, and the only reason I didn't start the next one is because normally, normal yeah. uh, David is finishing 24 hours before we record. Right. But I finished this book like two weeks before we were scheduled to record. I know you asked and me. I say, knew. You're, you're like, "Hey, are we recording next? When are we recording?" It was like two weeks later. So, 
yeah. I, I, I knew as soon as I started the next book. I, I would be I would be worse than Scott in trying to be able to figure out which came in what book. I had <laughs> totally lost. So I I am I am chomping at the book to read it. Um, I don't know when we'll get to it or or if or we'll what, get to but, it. But so. uh, yeah. yeah, well, very good. Can I can I share like uh, a small fact I discovered about the writing of this book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do. so. Uh, the first two books, uh, uh, Aragon and um, what was the second one called? I forget. Eldest. Uh, Eldest, thank Eldest. you. So Aragon and Eldest sold 15 million copies total, right? And so as he began to write, as Paolini began to write the third book, you know, Random House said, you know what? We're going to put in order for 2.5 million books right off the bat, uh, which was unprecedented for the juvenile literature at that time. You know, that they were wow. going to put such a big order in. Well, so he began to, that, this was before he had written a word of Brissinger, right? And he sat mm. down to write Brissinger, and he began to obsess over every single word he was writing. So do you know what he did? He said, you know what? I'm not writing this on a computer. He wrote Brissinger out on parchment, handed it to his really? mother, handed it to his mother, who then typed it into the computer. So he wouldn't obsess over every single word. Hmm. Wow. So the first draft of it was written by hand in parchment. So, so how, how old is this guy now? So I don't know, but he ha he's in his 20s now. Um, but, yeah. Uh, he, he's set for life. He is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is uh, the audio book, if you listen to it, has an interview with him at the very end. Oh, no uh, kidding. Which, which, is, which, is, which is phenomenal. And... Uh, the, the fourth book also has another interview that I'm looking forward to almost as much as reading the book because it was kind of fascinating to hear him talk about the book and, you know, living in the world. And his family is very involved with the process. So. Yeah. So he's got a lot of support. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. But he started, David, didn't he start writing this when he was like 15 or 16, the Aragon book? Yeah, I think he was younger than that. Like, I think it published when he was like 15 or something. Yeah. I seem to remember 15 or 16. Yeah, so. Yeah, so wow. 2001 it was published, right? Wow. Yeah. But. Well, guys, uh, do you guys have your books for the next poll figured out? Do we have our next books? Well, are we going to announce the winner of our last poll? Should we do that? We first? are, but this is almost a behind the scenes. Are we ready to do that? Are we ready to question? do this? <laughs> well, we did get. We did get to. Are we going to pull a book from that was submitted by a listener for at least one of the books? Right. We can. I'm trying to. Um, I don't know. My computer's starting to. Bless. I think I need to close some my hangout and stuff to. Well, my my vote my vote is that we do we do put the fourth book of this series into that poll somewhere. Oh sure. Back on. Okay. Yeah. All right. So even though it did not spoiler here, uh it did not win this month. Yeah. I think we should put it back in. Um So what let, let's go over the winners. So in, in in third place we have a tie with uh the expanse. And um, what was the name of the book that you had suggested, Jim? Tor? Toll? Oh, geez. can't even remember. Uh, 
Let me see. If only there was a website that had it on Tal Zero uh, well, by Poa Anderson. Oh, yeah. Tal Zero. Yeah, yeah, none of my web browsers want to yeah. work now. Yeah. I can't even click on them. All right. So, uh, Tal, so Tal Zero, they both came in at third place. They tied. Uh, and second place was Inheritance, uh, the fourth Aragon or Inheritance series book. And winning, the winning book for next month is Star Wars Thrawn. It is that was the Thrawn. number once. So that will be the book for next month. Uh, yeah, Star Wars Thrawn. 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 So, okay, gentlemen, I think I think we're ready to. We we know that we're reading Thrawn. Yes, uh, let's 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 put up let's put up our list for the next the next run. I think let's keep let's keep Inheritance up there. Christopher Paolini, um, because it was it was the runner up and and it'd be cool to finish this series. It seems like pe- there's there is a group of people that would like to finish it, so we'll keep it up. Uh, my pick, I, I, I'm going to go with the Maze Runner um, by James Dashner. Uh, I have been reading the series. I think that you guys would enjoy it. Um, it's it's it surprised me in being better than what I thought it was going to be. So. Jim, what's your about, pick? Uh, yeah, Jim. I'm going to put up once again Fahrenheit 451 by Bradbury. You really Bray want Bradbury. to do that book? I I would I would like to read it. I've never read the book. I've seen the movie numerous times, but I've never read the book. You know, it's based on a true story. I was not aware of that. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we're doing it these days. I'm just kidding. Um, and then uh, the, I guess the choice that is uh, my I guess my choice is going to be Leviathan Wakes, which is the first book in the Expanse series by James S. A. Corey. So and the nice. TV TV show is based on this series. So I've been hearing a lot of good things. That was my choice last month, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a really good book. It's a great television series. I guarantee it. I've I've heard such good things about the books that I've avoided this show because I I, I kind of want to want to read the books. So yeah, that's okay. I read the fourth book before I realized it was a series. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it makes sense now. So but. yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps us up. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We'll be back next month with inheritance or with um. With uh, Thrawn. Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. Read it now. Yeah. Great book, by the way. I've read it. Yeah. This is, I think I'm the only one of you guys that's read it, and I'm looking forward to reading it again. So There you go. Thrawn All is right. one of my favorite villains in Star Wars. It is a Star Wars novel, because we didn't really clarify yeah. that. But. Mm-hmm. Now, now, is this a, a Star Wars book that could be enjoyed by people who don't read Star Wars books? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, obviously it helps to be familiar with the Star Wars franchise, but Thrawn's not a character that is, has played into, I think the Rebel TV series has had him in as a character, but other than the, that, you really don't see him in any of the major movies. The third season of, of Rebels, he becomes quite a bit more significant. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, but so, you wouldn't need to watch that. No, no. no. This, this book will stand no. by itself, and... And you, uh, I mean, you, you, it's it's helpful to have a you know be somewhat familiar with Star Wars if you're going to read it, but you don't have to be even a great lover of Star Wars to get into this novel. It's very well written. Timothy Zahn does an incredible job. So cool. But, 
Cool. All right. Well, that about has it. Once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. Whoa!